0: This is Leewood Online, a ministry of Leewood Baptist Church, located in the Kansas City area. For more information about us, visit us online at www.leewoodbaptist.com. Well, good morning. Today we continue our series through the uh, book of Philippians together. I hope that you have a Bible nearby and that you can grab that Bible and and join with us. One thing I uh, always encourage uh, us to do is to have a Bible uh, together as we can look through the book of Philippians. We're going to wrap up uh, Philippians 1 together this morning and uh, we'll take a look at this and walk through it together and see how God can apply it. Uh, to our lives, so we can become more like Jesus Christ. During this time, uh, we've seen so far in Philippians chapter one that the Apostle Paul wrote this book from the uh, from prison. It's called a prison epistle. Epistle he wrote it to the Philippians, and really, what his goal is in writing of this book is to explain to the Philippians what life in Christ looks like. We saw a couple weeks ago when we opened up this series that we saw that life in Christ is a joy-filled life. Not that we have a life that is unrealistically joyful, but that we find our joy, satisfaction, and meaning in Christ and what He has done for us spiritually in providing us redemption and salvation We also saw that uh, the life of the believer, a life of a Christian, is a life of sanctification. Remember, sanctification is a fancy word for becoming more like Jesus. And so life in Christ is a life of a believer, someone who follows Christ, progressively becoming more like Jesus. If we claim to be Christians, we claim to be believers, we should be able to see in our lives a progression of becoming more like Christ. Last week, we talked about uh, a little bit about what the Apostle Paul was going through there in prison, and that his mindset was that it was all worth it. Now, how could a man— encourage how could he have that mindset of being joyful and rejoicing there in prison and it, it being worth it in his mind well it's because the gospel he says in Philippians 1 here he says that it is because the gospel was being advanced that the gospel was the priority in his life to see it advance to go, going to the nations and and spreading to all people and so last week we talked about the importance of gospel advancement, that is the people of God, God, God's covenant people, the church, that we need to be all about the gospel, that we need to be all about seeing the gospel spread, that we are a gospel-centered people, and we define the gospel as, uh, as us being sinful, separated from a holy God because of our sin, and that he sent his son Jesus Christ to come and die on the cross for our sins so that we can be reconciled back to him. And that is called the gospel, the good news. And as the people of God, we should be all about the advancement of the gospel. Well, this morning together, we're going to wrap up a chapter 1 as we continue to move forward um, in this series. So if you have that Bible there, turn to Philippians chapter 1, and let's start looking at uh, verse 20. We we read verse 20, but I want us to come back to that, and we'll read to the, the end of the chapter and take a look at that. Uh, together. So if you have that Bible, you can look at verse 20, and you can read uh, with me. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. I know we have different translations out there, and that's uh, okay, uh, but I'll be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. And so let's look at verse 20 together. It says this, my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body "'whether by life or by death. "'For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. "'Now if I live on in the flesh, "'this means fruitful work for me, "'and I don't know which one I, would choo- I should choose. "'I am torn between the two. "'I long to depart and be with Christ, "'which is far better. "'But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. "'Since I am persuaded of this,' I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. So we see here uh, the Apostle Paul, what an incredible mindset that he has. You may remember a couple of weeks ago, I said when I was talking about the life in Christ, that life in Christ is really a life that is willing to be given up. For Christ so that Christ can be advanced, the gospel can be advanced. And here we get to see a little bit more of that mindset of the Apostle Paul, of that mindset of him valuing Christ over even his life. He said that his desire at the end of verse 20, he said his desire was that Christ would be highly honored in his body, whether by life or by death. And then Paul makes one of the most profound statements, I believe, in all of Scripture when he says in verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now I want us to just camp out here for just a moment. We we define sanctification as progressively becoming more like Jesus Christ. And in my opinion, you can take it for whatever it's worth, it's not worth a lot, but in my opinion... When Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain, that is the summit of earthly sanctification, to where where you, where where you and I as believers, to get to that point of saying, for me to live is Christ. It's all about Christ, and to die is gain. To me, that is the epitome of sanctification, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. There's times when my life is not Christ, it's Adam or it's something else. And to die is gain. Like we spend our lives trying to preserve our lives. Many times we do everything we can to keep from dying. Now, I'm not talking about being reckless or foolish or anything like that, not valuing our lives because we know that human life is precious. But when Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, what he is saying is his life is completely all about Jesus. And for him to die would be to gain or to profit. If you owned a business, the goal of that business would be to turn a profit, to make more money than than to spend. And Paul is saying, I would profit by dying. Why? Why would he say this? Well, look at verse 22, and we kind of see a little bit of this inner struggle in Paul at this moment. Remember, he's in a, in a Roman jail. So there was a really good possibility when he wrote this that he knew at some point he would lose his life. Many people, when they entered into a Roman prison, they did not come out. And so he says here in verse 22, we see a little bit of this inner struggle, and let's read it again. He says, verse 22, now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. Paul knows, if I continue to live, I can still be, continue to do missionary work, fruitful work on the behalf of Christ, Christ. But then he says, "I don't know which one I should choose." He says, "I'm torn between the two, because he's, he says, "I long to, de- to depart with Christ, which is far better." But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So here we see Paul in a a Roman jail talking to the Philippians, well, more writing to the Philippians. He says, I don't even know what I desire. There's part of me that desires to remain with you, to be here on this earth so that the fruitful work of the gospel can continue. But I also long to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So here's the question we all have to ask ourselves. We see the example of Paul and we examine our lives uh, through this lens and we, we look at life in Christ. I believe that Jesus is wanting to get each of us to this point to say, I can accomplish a lot on behalf of Christ for the sake of the gospel. I can accomplish much in my life because of the gospel, but I also desire to be with Him. I believe that the, the, the summit of sanctification is to where we can get to that point of saying, for me to live is Christ. All of my life, every area of my life is all about Jesus, and for me to die is gain, is to profit, because we desire to do part of this world and to be with Him. One other thing that we see here about the life of a believer is a perspective. It's a different perspective. Because as believers, we understand that if we, we know Christ, if we've received salvation through His work on the cross and His resurrection, we know that our eternity is secure in heaven with Him. So we know that this world is not our home, as the old song says. This world is not our home. This this place, this earth that we find ourselves, this life that we're living, it is just temporary. And that one day, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we will be with Him for all of eternity. And so that will affect our perspective on this life. We will know and understand that this life is very, very temporary, Yes, our life is important, and it is precious, but it's also just very temporary. And Paul understood that, and we need to understand that too. That as believers, our mindset, our perspective is that one day, I will be with Christ. If you're joining with us here online, I hope that, uh, I hope that you're asking yourself, you know, am I in Christ? Am I going to be with Him one day? You may find yourself doubting a lot of this, and there's a lot of questions you may have about the Christian faith. Well, I hope as you're hearing this that you're beginning to understand that the life in Christ is a life of hope because we know that one day we will see Him and be with Him, and that changes our perspective on this life. So if you're joining with us and you don't you're joining with us and you don't know Christ, I hope that at this time you're asking yourself, do you desire to be with Christ one day in eternity in heaven? Well, let's keep reading. Join with me in verse 27. And let's see, let's continue to see what Paul says. He says, verse 27 27, he says, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel. Then whether I, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation, and this is from God." For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Paul makes an interesting statement in describing the life of a believer he describes believers as citizens of heaven. Now, this is really interesting because a lot of us think of ourselves as citizens here on this earth, or maybe citizens of the country we live in, and we value that, and that's important to us as being citizens. But here again, we just mentioned this a moment ago, that we as believers, we have a different perspective on this life, that we have an eternal perspective on our lives. And so Paul is saying that the life of a believer, that their citizenship is not of this earth or a country of this earth, but that a life of believer, their citizenship is actually, in reality, a citizen of heaven. So what that really means is that we are aliens. Now, not the UFOs and all of the, the conspiracy theories. And some of you are saying, Adam, that's not a conspiracy theory. That is real. But, you know, we're, we are actually aliens here on this earth. That We are we're not citizens of this earth. As believers, we are citizens of heaven. We are just here temporarily. And so Paul says, as citizens of heaven, there is now a life expectation there is a standard as citizens of heaven that you and I are supposed to live up to. And what is that? Paul says, to live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. I just said a little bit ago, I said I can't think of a more profound statement in all of Scripture than Philippians 1, 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But now here in verse 27, it's It's difficult to find an even more convicting section of Scripture than saying to live your life, to live our life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wherever we find ourselves right now, I want us to think about what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus has done to make us citizens of heaven. We're going to talk about this next week, but Jesus left the glories of heaven, and he found, as Paul says in the Philippians 2, just a little bit of preview for next week, Paul said that Jesus did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, and Jesus left the glories of heaven, and he came as God in the flesh and experienced what we as humans experience, and Jesus made it a tremendous sacrifice, yes, on the cross, but also in leaving heaven, and he came here to identify with us as human beings. And then Jesus died a physically excruciating death on the cross. But even more than experiencing that painful death, Jesus went through the pain of being separated from God the Father because He took upon all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, onto Himself there on the cross. And He died in our place. He substituted in our place. Jesus died the death that you and I deserve to die, but couldn't die. And Jesus died and was separated from the Father because of the sin that was on his life. And then he was buried and then he was resurrected to provide brand new spiritual life, spiritual resurrection. That was a tremendous work that Jesus did. The gospel that saves us and makes us citizens of heaven. And what the Apostle Paul tells the Philippians is he says to live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's an incredibly high standard to live up to. That standard of holy God, Jesus coming to this earth dying for the sins of the entire world, and then being raised again in that same resurrection power now lives in the life of the believer. That is an incredible standard to live up to, and that will, that reality, that standard will affect and should affect the way we live. You see, sometimes we can live our lives thinking, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. I have my home in heaven. I know that when I die, I get to be with Christ in heaven, so I'm good. And so we understand that reality in that, in that uh, promise that we have of a spiritual home. But then what happens is uh, many times we take advantage of that and we think, well, now I can live however I want to live. We may not verbalize that, but that's how we live our lives. We live our lives in a way of, well, I'll make the decisions based on how I want to live in my own comfort and and how I like things in my preferences. We build our lives around ourselves instead of Christ. We don't share Him, and we don't advance the gospel as we should because we may be afraid of what people may think of us or, you know, whatever persecution we may experience, and we don't advance the name of Jesus and His gospel. See, to live our lives worthy of the gospel is an extremely high standard. And really what Paul is telling the Philippians here, he is telling them, live your life worthy of the gospel. And what we see here as we live our lives worthy of the gospel, then people will see our lives and the gospel will be declared through our lives. What Paul is saying that as citizens of heaven, we should live worthy of the gospel to that when people see our lives, they should see Christ. They should understand the gospel by our lives. And so let me ask all of us, you, me, a very convicting question. When people see our lives, do they understand the gospel better? That when your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers, when they see your life and they are around you, do they understand who Jesus is to a greater extent? Do they understand the gospel better because of your life? That is living worthy of the gospel. The Apostle Paul goes on to say he says that what then whether I come and see you or am absent I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one accord contending together for the faith of the gospel You see one thing we desire in our lives and is unity We like unity We want to be unified in our families in our careers and in our churches and if you've spent any kind of time in church uh, before, you might have heard that. You might have heard that thrown around that, you know, we as the church, we need to be united, we need to be get to be brought together. And so we we sit and and we we may talk about, oh, at the church needs to be unified. We need to be together, and we need to be of the same mind and heartbeat and goal together. But the question we have to ask ourselves when we talk about church unity is what unifies us? You see, some believe that tradition is what unifies the church. Others may say, well, just getting together is what unifies us and and liking the same things, and and so we're unified around uh, whatever. But what unifies the church is the gospel. That's what unifies the church. That's what unifies us. As Paul says, he says, I want to hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord. I want to see and hear that you are unified, contending together for the faith of the gospel. That's what unifies us, is the gospel, seeing it advanced. So, even yes, in our in individual's lives, we need to be able to say, For me to live is Christ. But in the life of the church, together, we need to say, for us to live, life in the church is Christ. And so faith, family, wherever we see our, wherever we, we, we find ourselves, right now, though we are apart, we are unified and we are together because of the gospel. Though we may be apart because of COVID-19, though we as a faith family really, as we understand the, the global church, though we are apart are because of distance, though we are a, a part because of culture, though we may be apart because of, of countries, and we have brothers and sisters all around the, the world, what unifies us as the church, the global church, the universal church, what unifies us is the gospel. And so what that means for us is we must live worthy of that gospel. We as the church together must live our lives in a way that the entire world would see our lives and they would understand the gospel better and know who Jesus is to a greater extent. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and paying the price for our sin and purchasing and making salvation possible for us. I pray that you would cause us to live in such a way for you that we we can say that our entire life revolves around you. It's all about you And that when we do die, it is gain, it is profit. Jesus, I pray that you would create in our hearts that inner struggle that Paul had, of that desire to to have fruitful work on your behalf on this earth, and, and desiring to impact people with your gospel, but also that inner desire of wanting to be with you. Create in us that inner struggle that Paul had. And Lord, I pray that you would give each of us the ability to live worthy of the gospel. Cause us to live our lives in a way that pleases you, and that we would live in that high standard of the gospel. And then, Jesus, we thank you that you are the head of the church that you that you are the head. That we are the the body. We are your body. We are your bride, and cause us to be unified around your gospel. Help us to be unified around you, yes, in our local church and in our local churches, but also globally. Cause your church to be united around you. Bring us tighter and closer together in a way that only you can, so that the world may know that you are Lord and that you are Savior, and that you are King. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. Leewood Baptist Church exists to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. For more information about us and our ministry, please visit us at www.leewoodbaptist.com.